Matthew chapter 26. We've been walking through the events, uh, obviously not all of them, uh, some of the highlights of, uh, of Easter week, and we are uh, up to Thursday. Uh, we actually were on Thursday last week uh, as we looked at the Passover, uh, or as we know it today, the Last Supper. Uh, today we're going to stay uh, on Thursday. Uh, we uh, will stay on Thursday following uh, the uh, Last Supper, the Passover. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus then uh, led his disciples out uh, and uh, they went over the brook Kidron uh, to a place known as Gethsemane. Uh, and we are familiar with the events of Gethsemane as Jesus then uh, goes into the garden and begins to pray. And uh, this morning, I want us to, to look at that uh, as, um, uh, as our text today. Uh, but uh, I want to look at it maybe uh, just a little bit, uh, a little bit differently uh, than we ordinarily. Ordinarily, obviously, uh, when we talk about Gethsemane and we talk about those events, uh, we focus on Jesus and the prayer and uh, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Uh, that aspect of uh, what goes on at Gethsemane. Uh, this morning, I want to back up a little bit and actually just stay just outside the garden. And let's look at some things that were going on just outside the garden. Mainly, uh, notably, the disciples that Jesus uh, took with him. The Bible, uh, as uh, you may know the story, uh, Jesus goes and he tells his disciples, uh, wait here and pray. Pray with me. And he goes on, the Bible says, a little further and begins to pray. And there we have uh, what most of us know about uh, the Garden of Gethsemane and the part that typically uh, we focus on. I want to back up uh, and focus on those disciples uh, that Jesus left outside the gate to pray, uh, who the Bible tells us uh, instead, well, they may have prayed some, uh, but when Jesus comes back out, he finds them sleeping uh, at the gate. He wakes them up uh, and reminds them again to pray. And he goes back into the garden, uh, and he himself begins to pray. Uh, in a moment, he comes out uh, and once again finds the disciples a second time uh, asleep uh, on the job. And I want to focus on those sleeping disciples this morning uh, and talk to you about the seriousness uh, of service. Those, uh, have you ever heard anybody say something about, well, you only have one job. Well, the disciples here had one job. They had one job, pray with Jesus. That was their job. He didn't ask them. He didn't say, hey, if the Roman soldiers come, fight them. Uh, you know, he, you know, he just simply said, pray. That was their one job. And yet we see they end up uh, on two different occasions asleep. Uh, instead of doing what Jesus asked them to do, uh, they sleep. And as I thought about that, I think about uh, what does that tell us about uh, serving God? What does that tell us about our service uh, to God? We make a lot of uh, lame excuses about uh, our service. I can imagine, the Bible doesn't record this, uh, but I can only uh, imagine that if you were to say to the disciples, uh, if we were to have an audience with them for a moment, say, hey, boys, just wondering. I get in the garden when, 
when uh, Jesus went to pray, and he asked y'all to stay out and, and pray. Uh, what happened? <laughs> What's the deal? Yeah. Jesus says, could you stay away? Could you pray for just a little bit? Yeah. What, what happened, guys? You know, what was the problem? You know, I'm sure that the disciples were saying, man, it's been a long day. You know, we were tired. We walked all the way from Bethany to Jerusalem. We were wore out, man. It was late. You know, I hadn't been sleeping good for a while. You know, you, know, you, you can imagine there would have been, you know, a, a lot. You just don't know how comfortable that rock I was leaning up against was. You know, uh, you can imagine all the excuses, all the reasons they could give uh, for why uh, they fell asleep instead of praying. Well, you know, uh, if you've been around the church very long, you know things haven't changed very much. When uh, when jobs don't, don't get done, when when, when we fail in, in, in serving God, uh, we come up with a lot of excuses. Well, I was really busy this week. I had to work this week. And we come up with all kinds uh, of excuses. I'm going to look uh, at this situation just a little bit this morning. Uh, and, and I'm going to go ahead, uh, as we think about this, and I'm going to go ahead and get the big ugly one out of the room right off the bat. Uh, as we think about this for a moment, uh, I want to call your attention that Jesus tells them there uh, in, uh, in this passage, uh, he, he says to them, uh, in, uh, in Matthew, in verse, uh, he says to them, says, hey, stay here and pray. Right? That's what he says. He says, I want you to, uh, to stay here uh, and, and pray. Jesus, uh, verse uh, 36 of chapter 26, he says, he goes to a place called Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples, stay here, sit here, while I go over there and pray. Now, let's flesh this out for a moment. Jesus said to the disciples to do two things. What were they? Not a trick question, I promise you. He told him to do two things. Sit here and pray. He told him to do two things. Sit here and pray. If the disciples do not sit there and pray, what are they? Disobedient. It's the only way you can slice it. You can clean it up, you can polish it, you can do whatever else you would like to do to it. But if Jesus said to these men, I'm going over there to pray, you sit here and pray, and they do anything other than sit there and pray, they are disobedient. There's no, way, no other way to, uh, to look at this, no other way to slice it other than to say that, that if they didn't do, uh, if they didn't sit there and pray, uh, they are disobedient. And so let's just go ahead again and get the big ugly out of the room. When we don't do what God sent us to do, when we don't serve Him where He sent us to serve Him, when we're not, uh, when we're not doing what He has called us to do, then we are disobedient. Again, if the disciples were disobedient by not sitting there and praying, when we do anything other than what God has sent us to do, we are disobedient. If God calls you, for example, I'll just uh, 
give you a few examples. If God calls you and, and, and leads you to, to teach a Sunday school class and you don't study and prepare and stand up and teach that class to the best of your ability, you are disobedient. If God, if God gives you the gift and the talent and says to you, uh, use that talent to sing for me, and you don't practice, you don't uh, give your very best in, in, in singing that song uh, for His glory, then you are disobedient. If you're called to preach and you don't study and prepare and you stand up and, and you bumble and mumble through it and, and you're not ready uh, to stand up and preach the message that God laid on your heart, then you are, you're getting it. You know, you're, you're catching on. You know, you know, just the same as if Jesus said to those disciples, sit here and pray, just the same as if God says uh, to somebody, listen, I'm calling you to the mission field, I want you to go to, uh, my mind went blank, I can't even think of a country, Czechoslovakia, uh, I don't know where that came from, I want you to go to Czechoslovakia and share the gospel, and instead of going to Czechoslovakia, you go to the Ukraine, you are... Disobedient. You went, but you didn't say. Again, we look at Jonah, and God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, right? He didn't go to Nineveh. He went, but he didn't go to Nineveh, right? So he was disobedient. So when we are called to serve, and we do anything other than what he has called us to do, in the way that he has called us to do it, we are disobedient. Yeah, I, I, I said before, I've used this example before. If you say to your son, your daughter, carry out the garbage, and they take the garbage out of the can, and they walk out, and they chunk it out the back door, they are disobedient. Why? Because me and you, well, I got it out. Yeah. And yeah, can you imagine that? You say to your son, your daughter, carry out the garbage, and pull it out of the can, and right out the back door, lay it out in the backyard. And they're looking at you and say, it's out. How many of you remember the old, uh, the, the original, the movie that really made Andy Griffith famous, uh, No Time for Sergeants? Had Don Knox in the party. Well, and, and Andy's character was trying to pass the test uh, to be classified to go into the military. And Barney, I don't even know what his character was in that movie, was one of the examiners. He had two rings, two metal rings. And, and the test was to put those two metal rings together. And you've seen those little mind-bender puzzles. You're supposed to get them in just the right angle and, and slide them together, and they'll slide right together. If you remember that movie, uh, Andy's character looks at him a minute. He takes one, and he puts, a foot, puts his foot on it, and he straightens the ring out, and he puts it through the other one, and he bends it back around, and he hands it to, uh, to, to Don Knox, and you did it wrong. And, the, and Andy Sargent says, but he put them together. Yeah, he put them together. Listen, you say, again, we might, if, if we're not doing what God tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, how he tells us to do it, we're not obedient. The disciples were, they were sitting there, they were halfway home, right? Yeah, sit here and pray. They, they were halfway home, but they weren't praying. And so we have to understand that when in, in any way, when we, when we are not being 100% obedient, we are being 100% disobedient. 
I, I saw an interesting video uh, this week. Someone was interviewing a policeman, and they said, can you write someone a speeding ticket for doing one mile an hour over the speed limit? And the policeman just kind of looked at him like, are, are, are you nuts? Well, of course I can. If the speed limit is 35, and you're doing 36, you're speeding. I don't like the sound of that, but, you know, anyway. You know, I'm, I'm in the school of thought, I got five or 10 miles there, 35, 40, 45, somewhere in there. Yeah. But again, if we're not being obedient, we are being uh, disobedient. When we're not following along, and again, the disciples could have come up with all kinds of reasons and all kinds of answers for why they were asleep. Man, we've been following Jesus all over, uh, all over Judea for the last three years. We won't. You know, we're tired. Didn't ask him for an excuse. He said, sit here and pray. What is it that God is calling you to do? What is it? You know, what is it? And listen, I, I've, I've said this. I had a nickel for every time I've said this in the last 28 years. I buy everybody in here lunch. But we often in the church talk about how God calls preachers. We talk about God calling missionaries. That's what we generally talk about when we talk about God calling people. I am firmly, completely, totally convinced that God calls carpenters, God calls bricklayers, God calls bus drivers, God calls shoe salesmen, God calls ball players, God calls, again, truck whatever. God calls firemen, God calls school teachers, God calls doctor's office employees, God calls nurses, God calls doctors. God puts you somewhere for a purpose. Are you being obedient to that purpose? Are you being faithful to the task that God gave us? The Bible still says we still have, for example, one commandment. You say, well, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not sure I buy that. Okay, cool. We'll go with the wrong one. Jesus tells us, the Bible still says, go you into all uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We still have that commandment. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Listen, we have no excuse for not serving God, and the only answer to it is disobedience. Disobedience. It's easy. It's easy. We're quick to be able to point at Jonah and say they were disobedient. Y'all didn't flinch. When I said, what were the disciples, if God said to them, sit here and pray, and they didn't do it. Man, y'all pipe right up. They're disobedient. Okay? No argument. The question is, they're disobedient. The real question is, are we obedient? Are we doing what he told us to do? Not only are they disobedient, but I want you to think about the decision. The decision. You know, life is made up of a lot of decisions. I, it, it would probably amaze us this morning if we somehow, God would reveal to us how many decisions we've made since we woke up this morning. You know, waking up was a decision. You had to set your clock. What time are we going to set it? You began to make decisions almost immediately. Just because the clock went off don't mean i got to get up. You know, uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get up. You know, 
Am I going to brush my teeth or not this morning? Am I going to comb my hair or not this morning? Some of you, that was an easier decision than others. Yeah. You know, what am I going to wear this morning? Which shoes am I going to wear? Some of you came out and had a couple of cars. Which car am I going to drive? Yeah. You made a lot of decisions. Which way am I going to go to church? What am I going to have for breakfast? Yeah. Which Bible am I going to get? Does this Bible match my outfit? Yeah. yeah, look, does this purse match my dress? Yeah. Some of you have way more. You ladies have way more decisions than we do. Yeah. You, you can look at most of the men how we showed up. We didn't make anywhere near the number of decisions y'all did. Yeah. And if we did, we didn't make very good choices, a lot of us. Yeah. We, we, we make a lot of decisions in a day's time. We decide all kinds of things. Yeah. Most of those decisions really don't matter. Most of them are trivial. They're irrelevant. You know, then I come out one Sunday coming to church, and, and I happen to look down, and I thought some of you remember when I, when I drove that little old car, Leah Coffin gave me, I thought it was a bomb. It was a little straight drive. It was so old. It said Datsun on one end and Nissan on the other. I was, they were so confused. They didn't know what it was. Front, one of the headlights was duct taped in. I loved that little car. It embarrassed my family to death. Me and the dogs loved it. I said, come on, girl. They just pile up in there. I go to the hospital. No parking place. I just park up on the sidewalk. Tow it. I don't care. Yeah. It wasn't the prettiest thing in the world. But I come out and I jumped in the car and I went and put my foot up on the clutch and realized I had only one brown shoe and one black shoe. And if I'm lying and dying, I sit there for a minute and thought, well, I really want to go back in and change. Yeah. It, yeah. I, who looks at my shoes anyway? Now you're always looking at my shoes. Yeah. Who looks at your shoes anyway? Yeah. Who, who cares? Now, that's a big deal to you ladies. High heels, flats, what color, sandals, open toes, open toes. On my feet somewhere near dry and warm, I don't care. Yeah, that matters not to me. Yeah, I don't care. We make a lot of decisions. Some of them really don't matter. Some of you spend a lot of time today deciding what shoes to wear, what, what, how to do your hair, how to do your makeup, all those kind of things. Some of you should have spent more time. Now, listen, we spend a lot of time making decisions. Some of them matter. Which side of the road am I going to drive up? That matters. Yeah. Am I going to move over that truck coming down the road about to hit me? Am I going to get out of the way? Yeah. Some of them matter. Some of our decisions really make a difference. Yeah. The answer to that question, when your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? Your decision can be a life and death decision. Some decisions really, really matter. And that night, sitting outside of Gethsemane, you can say whatever you want to, but the disciples made a decision that taking a nap was more important than doing what Jesus had asked them to do. It's the only way you can look at it. They made a decision. They made a choice of what they were going to do. They made a decision that we're going to take a nap instead of sitting here and praying. Just as many times before that, 
the disciples had on numerous occasions made decisions. Sometimes they made good ones, sometimes they made bad ones. Peter made a decision the night he stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water to Jesus. He then made another decision to take his eyes off of Christ and began to sink. He then made another decision to call out to Jesus to help him. We make decisions. We make choices. Sometimes we make them in a split second. They, they happen just in, in the flash of an eye. Will we decide to be obedient or will we decide not to? Will we decide to be the person, do the thing that God has called us to do? Whatever it is. I'm talking to enough people this morning, the decision you're wrestling with, maybe that God's been speaking to your heart and saying, go next door and, and, and share the gospel with your neighbor. It may be that God has said, hey, give that, that fellow down the street, he needs some food, give him some food. It may be that God has said to you, hey, you, know, you, you, need, to, you, you need to change jobs. You, know, you, need to, you, you need to sing in the choir or whatever. We make decisions about whether or not we're going to be obedient or not. I mean, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Has anybody in here, when you look back, you may have not, you know, we, we probably didn't get to a point along the way where we said, you know, God, I decided, I don't care what you think. We probably didn't do that. But in a split second, in a moment, we made a decision to go in another direction from where God was leading us. Anybody in here identify with that? If you look back over your life, you remember times when I made a bad decision. I made, a, I made the wrong decision. Disobedience, decision, leads me really to the third one that just overlaps, and that's disregard. Think about the implications of that. Think about the implications of the disciples deciding to take a nap instead of praying and doing what Jesus asked them to do. They were showing disregard for themselves, really. Our master, our Savior, said, sit here and pray. What about their family, their friends? A lot of people. We choose to do whatever we want. God gives us free will. But do we understand that in doing so, there are implications, there are consequences when we disregard the will of God? That there are consequences. Do you understand that as a believer, as a professing follower of Jesus Christ, that when you take the will of God lightly in your life, that there is a great possibility that someone, possibly you, someone else, someone you love, someone you care for could get hurt? When we choose to disregard 
the will of God for our life? Do we ever think for a moment about our children, our grandchildren who are watching our life and the decisions we make? Do we think for a moment about our co-workers who don't know Jesus Christ, who are looking at the choices we make, the decisions we make, and when we disregard the will of God, when we disregard that, let's just, I, I'll take my, if I disregard my responsibility and don't take seriously my responsibility to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you understand? I endanger myself, I endanger you, I endanger your children, I endanger your grandchildren, I endanger generations to come. I'll use me as an example. If I fail to take seriously my responsibility to pray, to study, to preach, and I don't do what God has called me to do, and you don't hear the gospel as you should, and it affects your life, therefore affects your witness in front of your children, who affects your witness in front of your grandchildren, where does it stop? You say, oh, Jimmy, you've been a little melodramatic. Can you guarantee me that won't happen? Can you guarantee me that if I don't take seriously my call to the ministry, my responsibility to preach the gospel, that Tommy's spiritual life won't be affected, and because his spiritual life is affected, it affects the spiritual life of Tommy, little Tommy, and Norma Jean, and affects the life of their children, and eventually affects the life. Can you promise me that? Because we don't know the impact our life is having on the life of others. We don't recognize. If I don't do my job, if I don't stand here this morning and preach with urgency this message, the importance of serving God, and you fail, you don't go out then with an urgency to serve God, and you don't witness to your neighbor, you don't witness to your co-worker, and they go out, and they're lost, and they don't carry the gospel home to their children. Where is it end? When we disregard the direction of God. Some of you have heard this before. The reason we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread across Europe is because when Paul was in prison and Paul was uh, daily chained to two Roman soldiers, that Paul was faithfully witnessing daily to those soldiers he was witnessing to. And when they would leave and his guards would change and those soldiers would go home and they would go back to their families and carry the gospel with them to their families, they would take that gospel there. That's the only way we can explain why the gospel ended up in some areas that it, that it ended up in is because those soldiers who were chained to Paul heard the good news of Jesus Christ and carried it back to their hometown and their children heard it and their grandchildren heard it and the gospel began to spread. What if Paul wouldn't have witnessed to those soldiers? Are we really going to disregard the will of God? 
someone's watching our life, what if they determine by how we do or don't serve God whether or not they want anything to do with God and they slip off into eternity laws? We're not just disregarding the well-being of ourselves. We're disregarding the well-being of everyone around us when we fail, when we make a decision to be disobedient. Well, that makes pretty obvious the final point, and that is danger. The danger. When there's disregard, there has to be danger. People's souls are at stake. People's souls are at stake. I don't think we take that serious enough in the church anymore. I don't think we take that serious enough as believers anymore. That there are people's souls at stake. That there are people that because of the decisions we're making will not hear the gospel. That because of the decisions we're making they will turn their back against the gospel. It makes my skin crawl sometimes, but I, I hear people make that statement, and you probably have too. If that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. I get told occasionally when it comes to service and serving God in the church. Well, they're just volunteers. Yeah, but you're volunteering for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, if you volunteer at the fire department or you volunteer for the rescue squad and you don't go to your training, you don't answer calls, what happens to you, Archie? You get kicked out. Are you telling me that the kingdom of God should have less standards than your local volunteer fire department? Are you telling me that serving God should be simpler? Should have less standards? We sing an old song. I don't know how old it is. It's an oldie. I'm not going to sing it to you. After that, you should all be on the altar saying, thank you, Lord. But I am going to tell you the words to it. Some of you are going to hum along and sing it because you know it so well. I will serve you because I love you. You have given your life for me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives for why you died on Calvary. Your touch was what I longed for. For you have given life me. I will serve you because I love you.
Does your service for God match what you say your love for God is? But more importantly, does your service match His love for you? I was nothing until you found me. Heartache and broken pieces. Then you found me. You have given life to me. I will serve you because I love you. I want to ask you to bow your head this morning. I will serve you because I love If someone, if there was some method, some way of determining how much, if there was some kind of meter on us that showed some way we could measure how much we love him by how we serve him, what would that meter say? Anything else, and everyone in this room nodded your head, you agree, is disobedience. This morning you're in this room and you say, I know Jesus Christ personally. I know he saved me. I know he rescued me. I'm like that song, and I had heartache and broken pieces until he found me. And he reached down into the mire clay. He picked me up and put me on solid ground. He put me back together again. Saved my rotten soul. And I don't want you to catch me asleep outside the gate. I want to serve him. I want to be the man and woman that he called me to be. I want to do what he's leading me to do. I want to serve him. I want to invite you this morning to come and kneel. Can we fill this altar up today saying, Lord, I want to commit myself to serve you. I want to give you the rest of my days to serve you because I love you. But you hear today and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. You've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. Are you a good person? Are you in church this morning? You might even put some money in the offering plate. You follow along in your Bible. You sang the song when we sang. But the truth of the matter is, this morning, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been in church all your life. You know all the songs. You know the routine. But you've never asked Christ into your life personally. You don't have a relationship with Him. If you were to die today, very simply, you die lost and spend eternity separated from God. You need to come this morning. Let us show you through God's Word how you can be saved. Father, we thank you this morning for your Word. God, too often, we're like the disciples who are asleep at the gate. Can't even carry out the simplest of tasks. Sit here and pray. 
sit here and pray. God, let us be servants. But the words of that song penetrate our heart. I will serve you because I love you. I used to be broken hearted. My life was in shambles and pieces until you found me. And you've put me back together. And now I want to serve you. Do whatever you want me to do. To do whatever you want me to do. God, stir our hearts this morning. We give you honor and the glory to you. Jesus, may my prayer. Amen. Let's stand together. Uh, to be in your house, to ask you to go with us as we leave here. Uh, 
that let us take it seriously. I call uh, to follow you to serve you. Uh, keep us safe, bring us back uh, 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 next time. We'll give you the honor, sir. It's in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you.